Good evening, beautiful people. Hey, thank you guys so much for all the support and all of the encouragement with this podcast. Uh, we did the last Q&A a week ago, actually dropped on Tuesday, but it, the feedback has been tremendous. And I've been so thankful and blessed to see that you guys genuinely care. And there were some great questions and we're going to cover more tonight um, just to give you a sneak peek. We're not going to uh, have anybody else on again tonight. We're going to have uh, the, the last half of this Q&A and it keeps building. So there's people that keep asking me questions throughout the week and I'll probably tailor those to another episode at some point and maybe tackle those with one of my guests. But I really felt like I wanted to do a part two from the first one. And so we can get into some of these questions tonight. And But before we do that, guys, I, I want to say um, if you're watching the podcast or listening to the podcast or doing both, what I would ask that you do is please go read it. Uh, please go rate, read, review, and subscribe to the channels, all channels to where this podcast is being broadcast because it helps me grow this platform. It helps me get into a deeper audience and it helps me. Hopefully the goal is to fan the flames of the gifts, those who would hear this. Maybe some people are hearing this for the first time and they don't even know Christ, but they come to know Christ by this podcast. And that would be amazing. Um, when I started this, my goal, you know, my, my, my thought behind it was what I felt like the Lord was building in this was uh, a lot of, a lot of believers that are just kind of flat and to be able to come in and fan the flame so that they can walk in their full potential. That was my mindset and that's still it, but you know, I don't want to limit to what God wants to do. So when you share this, the arm reach of this, of this podcast is just that much further. And so uh, I want to say thank you for those of you that have subscribed. What I've noticed I've got a lot of people watching and listening, but over like half of those to 60% of those people aren't subscribed. So please do that. Please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please go sub subscribe to it on Spotify or Apple or, or wherever you listen to podcasts because it's pushed on you know almost every platform. So thankful for that. Thankful for you guys. Thankful for your, uh, your giving. Um, you're partnering with this ministry in prayer and in finances, um, I've had people give and, and I will continue to say that if that is on your heart to give to this man, I will accept that and receive that with open arms. It, it for sure helps build it. It for sure helps my personal ministry. Um, the things that I'm doing, uh, with my, with my ministry, just this platform being one, one of them with this podcast. And I do many things. Um, I, I try to do whatever the Lord calls me to. And sometimes that's on a whim. He'll call me in a different direction. So if you're, if you're giving to me and my family in this ministry, God bless you. Thank you. If you've thought about giving and you want to give, uh, God bless you. Thank you. If you're giving prayer, if you're giving supplication before the Lord in these pod, for this podcast and in our ministry, thank you so much. I've had the ability and the blessing to go preach in a couple different places, and I, I want to continue to do that. So Another thing, if you're needing um, somebody to come, if you're if you're wanting to us to come and, and preach at your church and and really stir up the gifts and and um, and uh, fan the flame, then then please, you know, get a hold of me, uh, text message, call, Facebook, whatever. I would love to come share with you. That is where I'm kind of at right now. Is is just trying to be obedient to everything that the Lord has called me to do. So, thank you. I love you. We appreciate you, and God bless you. Um, that said, um, I want to pray tonight before we get rolling with this, this next episode of this, um, this Q&A. And so, again, thank you for submitting the questions and keep them coming. 
if uh, if you want them to be addressed on here, then we will do that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, it is the name above all names that I come to you, and I and I ask for your help tonight, Holy Spirit. I ask for your uh, your countenance, your leading, your protection over this spoken word, over this podcast, and over those who would be hearing it, those who would be listening to it or seeing it, God. May everything that I talk about, may everything that I say be pleasing to your eyes and ears. May, may your goodness be seen in the land of the living. May your love uh, be felt through this podcast. May the spoken word from your Bible, the one that you gave us, may it be heard, God, because your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so tonight, Father, I am an open vessel. I am, I am an imperfect human being bought by a perfect Savior, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with seeing you uh, as the redemptive, um, persuasive, amazing Savior that you are. And, and I pray, God, I pray tonight, God, I thank you in prayer tonight that you've given me an opportunity to just come speak and uh, and speak what's on the heart of your people in question and in an answer. May it be pleasing. May the Bible be opened up and, and come alive to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Okay, guys, let's just jump right into it, okay? This next question comes from Lysandra. And, uh, excuse me, Lysandra. And uh, this says, why were children killed during Moses' time when the Israelites would go to war? Now, some of these questions were asked to me in person, so I formed them on paper, how I thought they uh, had presented them. This one was actually sent to me, so it's pretty it's pretty um, exact to how she asked it. And, and again, it says, why were the children killed during Moses's time when the Israelites would go to war? OK, first of all, I think that we need to ask a question with that question. Who did who did they kill? Who was killed during this time? And specifically, she, she's talking about Numbers chapter 11. And, and if you and if you will go back and read Numbers, or not Numbers 11, my apologies, number uh, Numbers chapter 31. Okay, and if you go back to that and read that, it is a hard chapter to swallow sometimes if you think about God and his goodness and and his and his faithfulness and 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 uh and Joshua being commanded to kill all these kids, these young boys. And uh and so it's it could be it can be hard to um to to take uh to take this in stride and to take this um, you know, as as exactly as it says on paper, because we think of God as being all loving, all all knowing, all you know, all encompassing, all, all good and all faithful, which he is every one of those things. And so to dissect this on the level of um, what's happening right here, you know, uh, specifically when he tells Moses, take vengeance on the Midianites for the Israelites. This is Numbers 31, verse 1, okay? So the Israelites obediently armed themselves and attacked the Midianites, killing the men, okay? But what happened was uh, they left, they, they captured the Midianite women and the children and all the Midianite herds and flocks and the plunder. But when the troops returned to Moses, he was angry at them. Okay. Because they hadn't fully carried out the Lord's, the Lord's vengeance. Okay. And the Lord's vengeance is exactly that. It's the Lord's vengeance. That's why in scripture, it says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We're not to take vengeance, which means that we don't have the right mind to understand completely what God is up to in uh, this capacity and killing these people as they were killed. Okay, so let's just read on a little bit. It says, so Moses commanded that the women and the kids also be killed. Kill all the boys is what it says, right? And so when we look at this command to kill all these 
uh, male midnight midnight children. There, there's a couple of different perspectives that you can take on this because, you know, you're going to get a couple of different camps on this. One uh, w- would be that um, t- more inst- more understanding, like it's more temporal. Okay, it's more temporal. And, and during this 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 time and this this question that's being asked, um, we need to understand that that God's will far exceeds man's own plan. Okay. Uh, and he sees past what we see. He understands all things. Okay. He's, he's omnipresent. He's also omnipotent. Like he understands everything. He's all knowing. Right. And so uh, I want to read this from the understanding that we're still learning as the Bible, uh, as we're reading the Bible, I find out things in the Bible that I read two years ago. I read now, I have a completely different perspective on them. And I think you should, as you grow in the Lord, but when you read chapters like this, where there's so much bloodshed, it's kind of hard to understand, like, right? Like God's such a good God. Why would he command that these children be killed? Okay. And so I found a good, uh, a good answer that I can partner with on this. And I, and I kind of have my own two cents as well, but um, I want you to see what's happening. See uh, tribal warfare was absolutely rampant during this time. Okay. There were tribes just continually fighting and killing and slaughtering each other okay it's highly likely that the male midnight children would grow up and seek revenge for their uh fathers and grandfathers being killed okay from the first uh from the first wave of destruction that moses was commanded to uh, commanding them to do to go kill all these people right and so in that culture in warfare like that's just the way that that you go about your daily life. You avenge the death of your heritage, of your loved ones. If they're hurt, if they're killed, you go after those who did that, okay? So keep that in mind as we read on here, okay? Um, and, and when you're and when you're understanding this, like it's, it's from a vengeance mindset, which is never meant for us to have. We're not to have a vengeance mindset. We're to have a, a mindset of Christ, as the word says. We, we have been given the mind of Christ. So Christ wasn't vengeful. Okay, he came to seek and save the lost. Now there will be one day when he comes back and he sets up his millennial kingdom and 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 he will destroy the entire works of the enemy. Okay, so but he he's not um, he's not avenging his death from when he was crucified on the cross. He's giving people the chance to repent and turn to him. Okay, so avenging the death of one's father is common, accepted necessity in every culture, right? And and even in popular fiction. Okay, so. Uh, so I want you to think about this for uh, further. Okay. Um, the depravity that these kids were, uh, subjected to seeing, okay. was absolutely attestable, like detestable. Like there was bestiality. There was so much promiscuity, prostitution, divine, uh, like it's complete and total, uh, crazy. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a culture that's completely erratic. Okay. And, and think about bestiality for a moment, okay? Think about what happens with bestiality, okay? Sexual perversion with an animal, okay? That was that was in that culture, in the Midianite culture, that was absolutely um, um, uh, just a part of the culture, okay? It was everyday life, okay? So I want you to think about male inhabitants carrying on the lineage of this culture and being uh, a possible problem for Israel later on, okay? Which is ultimately the people that took took out the many nights. Okay. I want you to think for a moment with me where, where God flooded the world. Okay. He flooded the entire world. Okay. And this is along the same lines of, of man, why would God do that? He killed all those people. Right. And like, and here's what I love about the Lord. He gave, um, he gave Noah opportunity to go find like 10 families 
that were were righteous, right? And they couldn't find them. And so God had to like he basically had to had to completely uh, wipe the world out so that the world could be saved. Okay. And what happened also, like we need to understand during this time is angels were mating with females and there were these hybrids of like half angel, half men. So God didn't intend for creation and humans to carry that type of DNA. Okay. And there's so much more we could go into with that. And we might at some other time, but tonight we're going to stick with the script here. And so there's there, but during this time with the Midianites, there's cult prostitution going on. There's just think about the occult and all the things that, that happen with, you know, with, with, with black magic today. Okay. Like this is cult like probability that bestiality is happening and it, it could create problems in the future. Okay. God is all about sustaining the bloodline. Okay. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to die. So that the bloodline could remain in God's people. Okay. Um, this could, ha okay. That's, and with that, this could have been God's divine mercy. Okay, this is some of my own notes I wrote down uh, on them to kill them as they became older and followed the customs of their parents and their parents' parents. So it's God's mercy sometime to take people out of the world. If you go back to Hebrews, um, it talks about the world was not worthy of them in Hebrews chapter 11. Like, it, you know, when it's our time to go, there's nothing we can do about it. God, God extends his hand of mercy and grace. And when he's ready to receive us to himself, then that's what he's going to do. So it could be probable that God was saving these people from later destruction that was far worse, you know, because there, the, we talked a little bit about it last week. There's this age of accountability. Maybe God was saving them before they reached the age of accountability and stiffed arm his grace and stiffed arm uh, his goodness and said, no, I don't really want to be a part of that. So he's saving them from that by taking them as they are as young children. Okay. Another, another way to look at it, another way to look at it. Okay. Um, so, you know, maybe they wouldn't have worshiped God. Maybe they would have continued to worshiping um, the wrong, the wrong beings and, and, and false worship. Okay. Leaving them in an eternal state of hell. Okay. So he's saving them from that destruction later on. I want to look at something, though, in Isaiah 57 really quick regarding this. And uh, again, guys, if you don't agree with everything that I'm saying, that's fine. Let's have a talk about it. Let's open scripture and read it together. I am not opposed to saying, hey, I missed that. Um, I have no problem admitting that. Um, but I, I feel like this one was a great question. And it's hard because we we truly want to know the heart of God. And, and then when we read things like go back and kill all the kids, you know, that's tough to swallow, but God has, has purpose for what he does. Okay. Um, Isaiah 51. Okay. I want you to look at this. Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time, but no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil that will come. Come on, somebody. I think that one verse can wrap up that entire question. Good people pass away. Now, were the, were the Midianites inherently good? No, nobody is inherently good. Without God's grace, we are nothing. Even our works are as filthy rags before him. But in Christ, in God, we have this righteousness applied to our life that gives us the right standing with God. These kids would have been subject to their parents' demise, from the demise of their parents falling into the same uh, erratic behavioral patterns of bestiality, pro uh, prostitution, coltness uh, or cult-like 
relationships with one another, cult, cult bestiality. I mean, there's things that they would have been enticed to be able to do because their parents were doing it. And so maybe God was saving them from the evil that would befall upon them later on. I don't know about you, but I'm okay with knowing that God takes me out early to save me from something far worse that separates him, me from him later on. I'm completely okay with that. Okay, so, so take, that, take that whole scripture with the, the, the huge grain of salt from Isaiah 57, verse 1, the whole packet of salt, uh, because I believe there's a lot of truth in that. Amen? Okay. And guys, don't mind me drinking the water when I'm talking by myself with nobody else here. I get really thirsty, so it takes a minute to get, uh, get my palate uh, quenched and be able to speak into this microphone clearly. Okay. Thanks for that question, Lysandra. Gosh, keep missing your name up. I'm sorry. Lashandra. And hit me back up if if you're not okay with that answer or if you are, let me know. Okay, Danny asked this. Purgatory, is it real? And I knew somebody was gonna go here with some of these questions. <laughs> and this might get some flack, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay sitting down. I had a, a brother. And I had a, I had a friend of mine that, you know, wanted to uh, talk theology with me in regards to Catholicism and, and what my beliefs are as, as, as Christian. And, and, uh, I had no problem sitting down with him and talking this out. So I have no problem doing that the same with anybody else, but purgatory, is it real? Okay. The place of limbo, um, is another word for it. Um, place of innocence, uh, innocence, uh, in short, biblically speaking, purgatory, no, it is not real. There is no place biblically that, that, uh, that you can go to in Scripture, in the 66 books of Scripture, that tells me that purgatory is a real place, okay? Um, so, so what is purgatory, first of all? I think that we need to know what purgatory is and how, it's, uh, how it is presented, and it is in the Catholic Church, okay? Um, and what it is is this is what it says it's it's roman catholic doctrine a place or state of suffer uh suffering excuse me inhabited by the souls of sinners who are expatiating um their sins before going to heaven okay um and so you can read on to uh that that they feel like there's this place of limbo or place of innocence which is a little bit different than purgatory but it's kind of along the same lines it's it's like this place of in between right and and so if the prayers are righteous enough and the people are you know this is my understanding um, all her sins will be forgiven and she would not need to go to purgatory, um, is one of the things that, that, that speaks, um, of, of this specific word. Okay. Uh, so in, 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 uh, definition, okay. What it says is it's a condition process or place of purification or temporary punishment, in which according to medieval Christian and Roman Catholic beliefs, uh, the souls of those who die in a state of grace are made uh, ready for until, I guess, those the souls of those who they're in a state of grace until they're made for heaven. OK, so. I have uh, a, a bunch of different reasons as to why I believe that purgatory is not real, but I'm going to condense it down because we need to get to the rest of the questions at some point. Um, no, we don't have the power. First of all, we don't have the power as as people to pray anybody into heaven. Okay, that that would be that would be a works based uh, thought process, which which doesn't work uh, for the kingdom of heaven. Okay, um, I don't have the power to pray anybody into heaven. I can pray for somebody, and I do believe that God's favor and grace will come and, and show these people uh, that He is real, 
and that, that he does desire a relationship with them. But ultimately, I'm not the one that hung on the cross. I'm not the one that forgave me for my sins. That was Jesus. And that act alone is what determines whether we get into the kingdom of heaven or whether we are pushed out of the kingdom of heaven or, or whether we don't get into the kingdom of heaven, I guess is probably a better way to put that. Um, and, and Jesus makes this very clear. He says those who are born again will enter the kingdom of heaven. has nothing to do with a saints praying me in. It has nothing to do with somebody um, powerful enough to leverage God and say, hey, will you let him in? Right. Um, it's about the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is, is, is what gets us into heaven, either eternally, um, grafted with Jesus or eternally separated from Jesus. Okay. And that has nothing to do with people at large. That has everything to do with Jesus being the sacrificial lamb. Okay. Uh, and, and all through the Bible, I can't find any place where purgatory is, is a real place. If, if you can, Show me in these 66 books of this of this love letter from God to creation. Um, I haven't found it. I've read through the Bible a couple, you know, a few times now, and I can't find it anywhere. Um, I, I don't believe that that there's a place that God holds us for a little while until we, we just, you know, he decides that we get in um, until our sins are forgiven. Okay. Our sins are already forgiven by, by the blood of Jesus. And once we receive him and accept him as savior, that's what gets us into heaven. That's what gets us eternal, uh, eternal grafting with Jesus forever and ever. Okay. Um, I got a bunch of verses with that. And if you want those, I'll get to them in a different place. Um, but I think tonight um, I might go over a few of them. Uh, but I, I probably won't get to all of them because I want, I want to give ch a chance for, for the rest of these people, um, uh, to get their, to get their questions answered. I'm sorry. I'm trying to, um, trying to find this, uh, on my notes. So, okay. So the support is from a couple different, um, um for this and and you, we can look at those at some other point too um but first of all um it, it's kind of like a doctrine of uh works righteousness okay first of all and jesus was very clear about this that you are saved by grace through faith not of works that any man should boast okay um so purgatory it's a very painful place, according to the to, uh, Catholic uh, religion and thought. Um, it's it's a place of the in-between, basically. OK. And uh, again. Um, you believe what you believe, but I'm telling you from Scripture, there's nowhere. There's nowhere in Scripture where I can see that purgatory is a real place. And I, I could go on and on uh, about why, but I don't I don't really want to hang up on that one tonight again we can we can go over that uh at a later date with um with more understanding of why um and if if you personally want to know hit me up and i'll go over why okay awesome thanks for that question it's a great it's a great question okay uh leanne asks this if jesus excuse me if jews are god's chosen people how does that work Nobody gets to the Father except through the Son. 
Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God or anything to do with being born again. Great question. Okay. Now, with that, I would say Jews are God's chosen people. We know that when Jesus steps down, it's going to be on the Mount of Olives in uh, Jewish country and, and in the promised land. Okay. He, he is, uh, he is, they are his, they are his chosen people. Okay. But I want to look at Isaiah 62 real quick. Okay. And I, we're going to go to scripture here in Isaiah 62 verse 12. Let's look at this uh, together. And guys, I hope you have your Bibles with you and that you can um, pull them out and look at this for yourself. So you can, so you can see uh, for yourselves what's happening in these questions. Um, so 62 of Isaiah, this says that they will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as the desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. I want to read that real quick in a different translation because I want, uh, I want us to look at the, the whole gist of this. Okay. And they shall be called excuse me, and they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Now, there's a couple words I want you to really hang on to. Redeemed. They will be redeemed at some point. At some point in Revelation, God's Jewish people will be redeemed, okay? Not everyone. Not every one of them will be, but those who choose Christ as Savior will be redeemed, okay? They are sought after, which means God is actively seeking out the hearts of the Jews that they would turn to Jesus and believe that he is the Messiah. And believe that they must be born again, okay? Israel has always been God's chosen people. I need you to hear this. They have always been God's chosen people. They will be redeemed when the time is right. They are the natural branches, okay? The Jews are the natural branches, okay? They're the natural branch, and uh, we are the wild branches. So that's the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. They are the natural branch grafted in to the, to the, head, to the DNA of Jesus. We are the wild branch. We are the Jews. So this is why Jesus would say things like, Go preach the gospel to first the Jews, then the Gentiles, because God has collectively always chosen to try and redeem his people first. Okay. <clears throat> I got news for you. America's not Israel. Great Britain's not Israel. Texas is not Israel. Kansas is not Israel. Okay. The United States of America is not Israel. Israel is Israel. They are God's chosen people. We are Gentiles. We are ones who heard the news, heard the good news and received and believed it, repented of our sins, and have chosen to be sons and daughters of the Most High, okay? We've chosen the path of righteousness, and God is still, to this day, beckoning them to be redeemed, okay? Paul states in Romans eleven twenty six that Israel will be what? Saved. Let's look at it real quick. Um, Romans eleven twenty six. Come on, come on. Romans eleven twenty six. Let's look at it. 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion 
and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Israel is not off God's radar. The Jews are still God's chosen people. Okay. He st- and this has to do with the end times of, of, of God uh, restoring his people. Think of all the um, climactic events that's happened with Israel in the last 50 years. For, what, 1948, they became a nation, right, again. So all these things are building up to God saving them, okay, from their own demise, essentially. And understanding that uh, saved is continual, not singular. Come on, somebody. Salvation, sozo, right? To be saved, continually to be saved, okay? So God is still reaching his hand of grace out for Israel, and um, it's it's continually, not singular, okay? It's not one time, okay? Yeah, one time the act of Christ was enough for all humanity, but he's still saving people. People are still coming to Christ every day by the thousands, by the truckloads, okay? People are still coming to the knowledge of Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior every day. That's why that one-time event was so catastrophic and so uh, detrimental to the enemy because it, the one time that Jesus died was enough. We don't have to throw him back up on the cross and crucify him again. It's continually the work of the blood of Jesus to be able to save people as we what? As we accept him, right? As we accept Jesus, okay? Um, Paul's, uh, so I got some more notes I want to go. Paul's sorrow for those who won't, okay? Let's look at this for a moment because there are going to be not just Jews, but there's going to be people all over the world that don't accept Jesus. And that's just, that's just to me is, first of all, it's ignorant. Like anybody who doesn't believe in God, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's, it's pure ignorance. His, his manifestation like is all around us, like the mountains, the seas, the, the valleys, the, sh- you know, the, the shadows, <laughs> the, uh, the mountains, the valleys, the seas, the rivers, the, the grasslands, the, you know, all these places that God has created with spoken word. If you can't see his hand in creation, then you're just not looking for him. Because that's not something that just happens. That is handcrafted. Okay. So Paul is saying, I want you to look at what he's saying here in uh, in Romans 9, 2 through 3. He's saying that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law and the service of God and the promise, of whom are the fathers and of whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternal blessed God. Amen. Paul, that's like a, it's, he's, he's writing a letter where his heart is crushed. He's so crushed that they will not, and, and excuse me, and have not turned to him. Like it's, it's eating him up inside. He's, it says in the first, first verse, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing with me witness to the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Paul was raised in this environment. He studied under uh, Gamma, what's his name? 
uh, Gamamel, he studied, studied under this man. He knew the Torah front to back. Paul knew the Old Testament law. He, he knew it all. And his desire, even in knowing all that, all, with all the knowledge that he had, he still was grieved and stricken with grief because the people that God's chosen remnant, the Israelites, had not turned to him yet because he saw the beauty and the goodness of God. And, you know, I want you to look at this, okay? I want you to look at this also because this is, this is a loaded question. It's a great question. But I want you to see this, that all of Israel is not Israel. Not all of Israel is Israel. Remember Isaac, okay? Same seed, different outcome, okay, with Ishmael. Isaac and Ishmael are brothers, right? Uh, Ishmael came from who? The, the maidservant, right? Uh, what's her name? It's, it's, it's dropped from my brain. Oh, my goodness. It starts with an H. Anyway, uh, so you, you have the same seed, but two different, uh, two different generations, right, from two different people. And so it's the same with Israel, okay? There are believing Jews and Jews who don't. There are Jews that believe in Christianity. There are Jews that have chosen Jesus Christ. There are Jews in Israel that believe in Jesus, okay? Not, the, not, not every single Jew in, uh, in, in Israel is, is, uh, not, is not practicing uh, a Christian. He's, you know, there, there are both. There are Jews that are completely uh, practicing Judaism, and there are Jews that are, that are full-on believing Christians. I can't think of the guy's name. I follow him on uh, TikTok, but he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Jewish believer. He believes in Christ, and he's got some great teachings on this too. Maybe I'll find that and, and get that to you. So um, there is true Israel, and there is an ethnic, ethnic Israel. Okay, I want you to see that from from um, the looks of Isaac and Ishmael. There's a true Israel, right? Isaac, from the birth line came all these people, right? And there's Ishmael, who is a same, from the same seed, but different outcome, okay? Different, different person, um, different branch, rather. Uh, so a true, there is a true Israel and an eth ethnic Israel, okay? Look at, let's look at Romans 8.23 for a moment. Because this is this is huge, and I'm gonna I might wrap it up with this. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how much uh, time I've spent on this. This is this is a great question though, because I think we need to know. We need to understand. Like we're we're studying and and we're believing for um for the things of God, but we have to look at it through the lens of it, the way it was written. You know, we have to understand that that God's purpose far outweighs our understanding sometimes, and. And this kind of gives understanding in Romans chapter uh, 11, 23 of where where God's heart is with the Jews. He hasn't cut them off. They're not people that he's given up on. Right. Obviously, we're all still here. So there's still a chance for them to repent. And so eleven twenty three says this. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. So I said that they're not cut off, but this, this kind of alludes to the fact that if they don't believe in Christ, they are cut off. Okay. Just like we're cut off. If we don't have relationship with Jesus through his, through his blood, through his covenant, then we don't have access to God. We're cut off from God. Okay, we 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 don't have his covenant. We don't have his blessing. We don't have purpose at that point if we're choosing to not believe and not follow and not be uh, consecrated to him. 
So this says, look at 23. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of an olive tree, which is wild by nature, okay, come on, and were grafted contrary to nature in a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their, to their own olive tree? So he's talking about us. He's talking about Gentiles. He's, he's preaching to Gentiles. He's talking about us right now. If you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, we're the wild branches. Remember earlier I talked about the wild branches? We are the wild branches of the olive tree. We're the Gentiles. But since the blood of Jesus suffice for our sins, we're grafted in. There is this grafting that takes place when we believe in Christ as Savior, whether you're a Jew, a Gentile, a Greek, a Muslim, a Buddhist, whatever. If you choose Christ, you're grafted into the family. Hallelujah. And that's what Paul is saying. There will be opportunity for them to come to the knowledge of Christ. And they will, if they don't continue in unbelief, then they will be grafted in. All it takes to receive Christ is belief, church. doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, a Greek, doesn't matter. Once you believe, Repentance is just part of the game, right? You start to repent, and then you become one with Christ, as his words say, I in them, they in me. Isaiah eleven twelve. Again, let's look at this. What did I say? Uh, Isaiah 11 and 12? Isaiah eleven twelve. Let's go there for a minute. I love this. I got a bunch of stuff here because this really intrigued me. I had my own thoughts on it, but then as I studied uh, the, the Lord really brought some things to my mind that I hadn't thought of. So hallelujah for revelation. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah real quick. Isaiah uh, chapter. Well, I, actually, it's it's the whole run of 11 a little bit. But you can look in verse 12 and see, you know, what what's going on here. Let's look at this together. It says he uh, he will set up a banner for the nations. OK, and will assemble the outcasts of Israel, come on, and gather together the dispersed of Judah, come on, from the four corners of the earth. So God's going to be calling all to his Jewish people back unto himself, okay? It's just going to be that way. It's the way it's going to happen. And this is, this is all about God's grace, all about God's mercy. This is the reign of Jesse's offspring. This is, this is Jesse, David's father. This is speaking of his offspring, okay? These are people that are going to come to the knowledge of Christ at some point. Okay. Let's look at 6210 of Isaiah really quick. I know I'm running through these quick, but I want to get to this other question tonight. 6210 of Isaiah. Is that right? Yes. 62 verse 10. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up a banner for the peoples. Israel will be once again, okay? They will be grafted in once again. They will be gathered again from the ends of the earth in a spiritual awakening. This will happen. The Jews will be gathered from the ends of the earth in a spiritual awakening. Israel's, Israel's parted people will be gathered again for a, geogra a geographical home, okay? And as Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom, and this is, again, this is the, you got to remember, we got to read this from the lens of the book of Revelation. As Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom on earth, okay, some of these things are going to happen. Ezekiel 37, 14, okay, look at this. Let's go to Ezekiel 37, 14. And again, I, I'm running through these a little bit quick, and you can study on them if you want, but I'm giving you the verses so that you can do that. 
Ezekiel 37, verse 14, I think. Where is it? Yes. Yes. Ezekiel 37, verse 14. Look at this. Come on, baby. Come on. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. You can grab on to this word as a child of God. And this is what he's speaking into Ezekiel, telling him to tell the people, I'll put my spirit in you. You'll live once again. I'll place you in your own land. Okay. And so as Jesus sets up this millennial kingdom, we need to understand that the whole Bible is a book of prophecy. You can't just, it's not parted. It's all one. Okay. It's all understanding the protocol that that from Revelation to Genesis to Genesis to Revelation, it all ebbs and flows. It's all one continual process of God's goodness, his pouring out of his love to his people that we might repent, turn to him, and become children of him, children of the most high God. Amen. So Isaiah 11, 11, let's run back to Isaiah. There's so much prophetic utterances in the Old Testament, guys. Don't discard the Old Testament, you know. Don't say it's just Jesus and then just focus on the Gospels alone. Just Jesus is the whole Bible. Every book depicts the nature of Christ, our King. And so we can't say that I'm good. I read the Gospel. We need to understand prophecy. We need to understand that God is still speaking to us today, just as he was in the Old Testament. And he's speaking to us in Revelation today because he wants all his people to come to the knowledge of who he is. Isaiah chapter, what did I say? 11, 11, I think. Isaiah H. What the heck? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Isaiah 11, 11. Yeah, this is a great verse. You got, most of you will know this. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set up his hand, set his hand again the second time. Okay. To recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from, Eli, from Elam to Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea. He will set up a banner, remember we said earlier, for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together and, dis and dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The surviving remnant will be restored. Okay, the surviving remnant will be restored. Okay. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the light. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. No one means no one, not Jew, not Gentile, not Sheik. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Jew or Gentile will not enter God's kingdom without access through Jesus, period. Nobody. There's only one way. And that's what, that's what Sister asked in the, in the beginning of this question was, if Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and they don't believe that, how do they get in? They get in through God's grace. They get in through receiving him and God restoring them in due time. Okay. All right. Uh, we got time, I think, for one more. Um, maybe. I think we got time for one more, guys. And this is from Alex. I love this question. This might take a little longer than um, expected. Uh, thanks for that question about the Jews being God's people. So good. Such good stuff. Alex. Um, Alex has this question. 
I feel immediate shame when approaching God because of everything he's done for me. And now, again, I'm, I might be paraphrasing some of these questions to get them into the understanding of my feeble little brain. But uh, there is a, there's a, a block, a, a spiritual block that, that he's saying he's experiencing when he approaches God because uh, he says he, he, he used the word um, shame. And because of everything he's done for me. Now, what has God done for us? He's given us a way out. He's given us a way uh, out from ourselves and our own demise, right? Through the blood of Jesus, we have access to the Father. Hallelujah. Okay, so if you're experiencing shame and condemnation when you approach God, that's not from God. And I know that from Romans 8.1. Let's go there. I can probably cite it. But I want to sh- I want to share with you what it says uh, in 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 the Amplified version. So I know for a fact that verse in Romans eight one it says this: For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Okay. And so immediately when I'm reading this, what I'm thinking of is when we're if we experience shame when, when we go before the Lord, it's 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 a couple of different things. It could be a couple of different things. One. We could be trying to approach God in a works-based mindset. Like I have to do things to get his attention. And in our own power, in our own might, in our own strength, we're never going to fill up to par to be able to approach God, period. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, then we will not be able to approach God with boldness, as his word says, that we can come before his throne room of grace boldly. And so if we're not approaching God with boldness, boldness, it's because we've been lied to about who we are. It's because we still feel like we're carrying the same old dead man that was shed when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And that can be a couple different things. That can just be not understanding um, who we are in Christ Jesus, our identity, how we are blood-bought, born again by the, by the blood of Jesus. It could be that we're struggling with some temptation or sin, so we, we keep thinking about that sin when we try to approach God, and it's like it's always right there. Um, and so we feel like we're, we're not—what's um, the word I'm looking for? We're not worthy to approach him, you know, and and the thing is, is, is all he's done for us should give us the opportunity to believe that we can approach him because it's not about me. It's not about performance. It's not about what I could do to get God's attention. I already have it because Christ died for me. And so I can come before him boldly and I can give him anything I want. If it's some sin I'm struggling with, if it's something I'm worried about in the future, it does not matter. What it's saying is that I have access to the Father's heart anytime, any day, anywhere. I could be right in the middle of my sin, and I still have access to God's heart. Because if I think I don't, then I'm elevating that sin over God's grace, and that's sin in of itself. Okay, so what's it say? Therefore, there is no now no condemnation, no judging a, a guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. What's verse two say? For the law of spirit and life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has freed me from the law of sin and death. So I'm no longer tied to the law of sin and death in Christ Jesus. I have access to the heart of God. And one thing that this brother said too was, I feel a restraint to even ask him for anything. Okay, again, what does Jesus say? Ask me for anything in my name and it will be given unto you. Right. 
aligning with the will of the God, okay, uh, the, the will of God, okay, asking me anything in my name, and it will be given to you. So what do you need? You need boldness? Ask for it. I bet Christ gives you an opportunity to be bold. You need faith? I bet God gives you an opportunity to stretch your faith. You need more love? I bet he gives you an ability to be more compassionate and loving to people. So coming to him with anything other than appreciation doesn't feel right, and it shouldn't. I love that you said that. That was one of the things that really caught my eye about you was when you said coming to God with anything other than full appreciation just doesn't feel right. That's exactly how you should feel when you approach God, with adoration, with expectation, with appreciation. God, you gave me a life. You gave me life and life abundantly through Christ Jesus. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for the little things in my life, for whatever the case may be, who am I may come in contact with today, how, how much work I have in front of me. I appreciate you for all of these things, for an ability to provide for my family, for an ability to, to provide for my rent, for my mortgage, whatever the case may be. So you should absolutely be approaching him with that attitude. And, and that right there will, 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 will give you more breakthrough than so many things, trying to do it on your own or apart from God. So uh, he, it says that he's feeling, uh, the feeling of condemnation is limiting me from connection I am supposed to, uh, excuse perceive from him, okay? So look, man, we just read that. You have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Alex, if you're listening to this, I want you to speak this to yourself. I am not condemned in Christ Jesus. I walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. Okay, I am not condemned in Christ Jesus. I walk by the spirit, not by the flesh, because we can do that. We can mess up one time and feel like every progress that we've made in growing in our faith is gone, which is if we're limiting our progress by what we know, then we're really limiting our progress because there's there's more things that God desires to show us. Okay, and it starts by having that relationship with him, which you at this moment are still stewarding. We're all growing in relationship with God. I hope, I hope we're not stagnant. I hope we're not sitting, um, sitting in the, on the, on the bleachers when God's asking us to be in the game. Right. I want to share another verse with you, bro. And, and I, I believe it. I believe that you're going to get some freedom from this, man. I really do. Uh, because God is good, man. And he desires freedom for us to be able to approach him anytime anyway amen and so let me see where that went <laughs> Woo. okay well let me let me see i think i let's just go let's just go to 11 4 of hebrews real quick and then um we'll touch up on that um where did that go okay 11 4 of is it Hebrews? Is that right? Sorry, guys. I'm running through my notes here. I really want to make sure I do this right. Lashandra. Then we went to that one. Then we're right back to here. Alex. Hebrews 11, 4, uh, 16. Ooh, it's getting hot in this closet, man. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> okay. This is the verse I spoke earlier, man, but I really want to speak this over you. So if you're listening, I want you to put your hand on your heart, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to believe this for yourself, okay? Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace 
the throne of God's unmerited favor toward us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Bro, you don't have to feel condemnation anymore in your life. And I break that spirit of condemnation off you right now in the name of Jesus. I break any confusion off you in Jesus' name. Anything that's that's um, trying to thwart a deeper relationship with you and God, I come against right now in Jesus' name. And I'm believing for a breakthrough in your life in prayer. And anything hindering your prayer right now, I just come against in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for, for showing up right now in this place that we can approach you and your throne room of grace boldly. Admitting that there's things that we miss, but your grace is bigger. There's things that we may not understand, but your grace is bigger. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your commitment. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your faithfulness and all the things that you give me as your son. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bro, you have access to him at any time of day. You don't have to be in the right position. You don't have to do 100 different things right to 40 things wrong. You have access to God's grace every single day. The Bible says that his, his mercies are new every single morning. So approach him, bro. Approach him with boldness, boldness and let him give you understanding of just how much he loves you. Amen. Y'all, that's it for tonight. Okay. I'm jumping off here. I got stuff to do. You got stuff to do. Uh, this episode is... I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what your guys' feedback is. Keep the questions coming. Like I said, I'll implement them as I can and uh, as I study on them. And uh, I will try to get back to you as quick as I can uh, with these with these Q&A questions. So I love you guys. Be blessed tonight. Don't forget, go on the channel to rate it, review it, subscribe it, and share it to many different people, okay? So we can get this message out. Jesus Christ is King. Let's take it to a lost and broken world. Y'all be blessed tonight. Peace.